This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to the very first edition of Hillbilly Horror Stories Paranormal Encounters. <laughs> this is let me tell you how this is gonna work. Uh, Tracy and I have a cornucopia of stories that are personal encounters from people. They're short, and that's the intention. This is not gonna be a long episode ever. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to have one listener, could be a paranormal investigator, it could be uh, just a, one of you guys that are just listening, or it could be another podcaster that is going to call in once a week and give us a crazy paranormal experience that they have personally had. I can't wait to hear all that. So we're going to have that. And if you if you're Patreon subscribers, some of you have heard some of this type of stuff. We usually do a Patreon bonus the first of every month where we do these listener stories. And but with Patreon, there's only a couple of hundred uh, of you guys that are subscribed, and some of these stories are so good we just didn't want to keep them all to ourselves. So we thought, <laughs> hey, let's let's share some of these going forward. So we'll have one of those a week, and then Tracy and I will both read a story. For that week, and that's what that'll be, and um, it'll it'll be released here on Tuesdays of every week. So, are you ready to get started on this inaugural episode, Tracy? Yeah, let's do it. This first story that I'm going to read is called "Helper in the Night," and it's by Eves and Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm not going to give you Eves last name, but in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. So here we go. A stranger helped me out of a critical situation 16 years ago. My husband and I owned an antique shop. Every year we traveled to Pennsylvania to buy primitive pieces. Once we received a flyer from a man who was selling pretty much everything in his house and his shop. So we planned to go, took off in high spirits. We spent our first night in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. The next morning, our truck would not start. A man came from a service station. He said that it was an alternator belt. That's funny, my husband said. I just put a new belt on there before we left on this trip. However, the man from the service station put on a new belt, and away we went. We arrived at this little town on top of a mountain where the cell was to be. There were many cars and trucks. I suggested that we turn the truck around to head downhill because the road was unpaved. The sale started, and we bought some items. I noticed people looking down into the valley. It began raining, but there was a beautiful rainbow all across the valley. Someone spoke, saying, We're going to have a gully washer. I'm getting out of here. (laughs) (laughs) We both got wet, putting the things we bought into the truck. My husband tried to start the truck, but there was no spark. 
it was getting dark and there was no phone and there was only one house on the on our side of the mountain. Everyone had gone and we didn't know what to do. There's only one thing to do. Pray for God to send us some help, my husband said. Do you think God hears our prayers way up there when it's black as pitch in the pouring rain? God doesn't even know we're here, I said. Well, they were on a mountain, so they would be closer, I would think. Oh, yeah. God knows where you're at at all times. Let's try praying, he said. We waited, but there was no answer. We were certainly stuck because the man that had held the cell was not coming back until the weather cleared. Let's try again. Pray and believe we'll get help, my husband said. I leaned against the window and was almost asleep, just like in church. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, someone tapped on my window. I wrote it down. There stood a man in a black raincoat and a hood. He asked, do you need help? My husband explained that the truck would not start. The stranger said, release the hood. He walked around to the front of the truck, came back to my side, and explained that the alternator belt was broken. What the heck? I think his alternator is frozen, is what I think. That's what keeps breaking the belt. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyways, what can we do, my husband asked. The stranger said that he knew where we could find a belt. My husband said that we'd never see him again. (laughs) He thought the man lived around there because he didn't have a car. In 20 minutes, the man tapped on my window, asked us to release the hood. He walked around to the front of the truck. He came back and told me, well, you're ready to go. When we asked what we owed him, he replied, nothing. Just help someone else in need. I could not see his face, and I said, this is the third belt we've replaced in two weeks. He replied that we would never need another belt. And we never did. Years later, when the truck was sold after my husband died, the same belt was still on it. How did he get up that slick road and put on a belt without light? I never saw his face, and he did did not want us to get out of the truck. I strained my eyes to look at the stranger, but all I saw was mist. He vanished into the night without a car or a light. Could he have been my guardian angel, my protector? Even my husband never mentioned the experience. All he would say is, I just don't believe it. (laughs) Well, that's a cool story. I thought it was a cool story. Yeah, daggone belt. You want to do another guardian angel type story? Sure. Okay. All right, Tracy, what do you got for us? This is called The Angels Took Us In. Over the 4th of July weekend in 1966, my husband Earl and I, with our four children, Jim, Christina, Judy, and Charlene, were traveling from Kansas City, Missouri, to visit our mothers in California. I was expecting another child in December. There are plenty of room for the children in the back of the Corvair ranch wagon, so the ride was fairly comfortable. Just before we got to the wagon mound, New Mexico, Earl got sleepy. He stopped and slept for a while, then drove a few more miles and had to stop again. This was early in the evening, and we were puzzled as to why he was so sleepy. We stopped for the last time in Wagon Mound, and when Earl tried to start up the car again, the dang wheel fell off. The wheel (laughs) fell off. We looked around for a garage, but couldn't find one. How does a wheel fall off when you start a car up? That makes absolutely no (laughs) sense. Well, at least it went a belt. (laughs) We looked around for a garage, but couldn't find one. We spotted a motel up the road and walked to it. 
There we were told another family had had similar problems and the motel was full. Here we were with four children, me pregnant, and no room at the inn. The only thing we could do was to go back to the car and wait for morning. Then a Mexican couple stopped to ask us if they could help. The man said he worked for the railroad and pointed to a house beside the tracks we hadn't even noticed. They invited the children and me to spend the night while my husband went for help. When we asked the names of the benefactors, they pointed to the mailbox and the name of it was Pedro Angel. The house had no electricity, only coal coal oil lamps and a wood-burning stove, which we thought was very strange. Mrs. Angel cooked us a delicious fried chicken dinner with mashed potatoes and gravy and hot biscuits with butter and honey. Mm. They showed us to to feather mattress beds. The angels apologized for the lack of modern convenience, saying that this was all the railroad would provide. We found the lack of modern conveniences just marvelous. In the morning, Mrs. Angel served us bacon and eggs and more biscuits and honey. I want to go stay with them. I know. Don't that sound yum? Earl could find no help to fix the cars, so we left the children with our dog, Bob, to guard them. And with the angels looking in, I went to help um, I went to help him try to find help. We finally managed to get the highway patrol to relay the broken part to Albuquerque, where a Chevrolet dealer opened his shop on the holiday to get the part with our promise to pay him when we got there. The highway patrol relayed the part back to us, but by the time it was night again, the patrol turned on their lights while Earl repaired the wheel. All this time, the angels kept coming by to be sure we were all right. Finally, the car was repaired and we were on our way. We stopped and paid the dealer in Albuquerque. He invited us to dinner, but we felt he had done enough for us already and we declined the invitation. The rest of the trip to California and back was uneventful, but our experience had a surprising sequel. The following year, we moved the entire family to California. The children and I traveled by train, and then Earl drove the conveyor with some of the, our belongings in the back. He stopped in Wagon Mound to see the angels. To his surprise, another family was living in the house by the tracks and said they had been there for three years. The house had electricity all through it, and the new family living there claimed it always had. Earl asked some of the other couples we had spoken with the year before where the angels were. Although some of them remembered him and had talked with him a while, the angels were with him. No one knew who the angels were or had ever heard of them. We rode to the railroad, but they had no record of an employee named Angel. Still, my husband and the children and I know what happened, and we will never never forget the night the angels took us in. That was from Beverly from Foothill Farms, California. That's an interesting story, without a doubt. Oh, my gosh, I know. How many stories have we done over the years where people have went somewhere and then they come back and either the place doesn't exist. No, that is so bizarre. John Tenney tells the story about the uh, little cafe that he ate at twice at a paranormal convention that apparently didn't exist. And, you know, we've had people talk about the hotel that they went to. And I think it was maybe in Germany where they were traveling across Europe. Mm-hmm. And then when they went back, that hotel didn't exist. 
Man, that's so... That gives you the chills, but that's very... I kind of look like something, you know, to happen to us like that. I mean, we get lost enough where we just think we're at... <laughs> well, I know, that's I for sure. This, I know this place was here. No, it wouldn't. You weren't <laughs> even in the state. You were in the wrong state. <laughs> that's kind of what, what I thought. Okay, we're going to start off this first episode with a doozy from a listener. Now, this is actually Brian. And Brian's actually got a podcast of his own. He doesn't really do paranormal stuff. But this came about because I was... And actually, you know what? This story, not only... it, it How can I put this? This story was supposed to be one that we were just going to do on our listener stories episode mm-hmm. on Patreon. But this story was so good. This is the one that made me think that we need to do a whole show dedicated to these stories. And so this is the one that kicked it all off. So I thought it's definitely going to be the first one that we do. So Brian was actually in the military with uh, Tracy's son, Josh, my stepson. Thank you for your service. Yes. And he actually has a story that took place in the barracks when they were, you know, in the military together. And when I posted that, hey, I was looking for some listener stories, uh, our son, Josh, obviously, said, hey, Brian, you need to tell him this story. And he told me the story, and it was like, you got to be kidding me. What a story. (laughs) So I was like, man, we need to play this on the regular. And then, so I was already thinking about it, and then we had two or three other people tell us their stories, and I'm like, these stories are amazing. And and most of the time, they are. Yeah. But these were just extra special, and I thought, you know, we need to, let's just start doing a show where we at least play one of these a week. So... Let's start this one off in grand fashion and listen to uh, Brian tell his story about what happened in the, when he was in the Marines. Okay. All right, so I put out a, a, a post on Facebook asking if anybody wanted to uh, share some paranormal stories. And Tracy's son, Josh, my stepson, posts on there, Hey, I got a buddy that I was in the Marines with that has a story about the barracks that you have to hear. So immediately, I've contacted his friend, Brian. And uh, Brian, you agreed to come on and tell us a little bit about this. First of all, thank you for your service. We appreciate all that you did. Appreciate it. No problem. So tell me a little bit about your story, because I haven't heard the story yet. I like to be as surprised as everybody else. All I know is it has to do with the barracks. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um I believe it was in uh, January or no, actually, I'm sorry. It was uh, July around the July timeframe. And I was stationed in Miramar, California. And um, I had basically just hit the fleet and uh, rolled my ankle pretty well on a Friday. It was a Friday. It was my first, like just getting to the fleet fresh off of school status. And then I rolled my ankle bad to the point where I had to go to the hospital and I was on crutches. So I go back to my barracks room later that Friday night after I had messed my ankle up and I was laying flat on my bed. My had a roommate who I had never met yet because he had just come back from Afghanistan and went home on leave for a month. So I had about three weeks in that room all to myself it was about the, I think, third day was on a Friday where I had messed my ankle up. And when I was laying in that room, it was all by myself. It was, about, it was exactly 1123 
p.m. in the evening. And I know this because I was sitting there laying on my stomach and I was texting a couple of my friends on Facebook. So while I'm doing that, I have this air conditioning unit, right? And there's like, let me paint you a little picture. The room is not a very big square. There's two single mattresses. One, when you open the door to get into the room, to the left against both walls. And then on the opposite side of the room against the wall and a window, there's a big air conditioning unit. And mine was broken and constantly rattled. It constantly had a, you know, it's just constantly making noise to the point where I had put in uh, like a discrepancy chit and they were going to come up and basically fix this eventually. But it had been just nonstop. It's constantly buzzing and it was hot. So we had the air on all the time. So... At 11.23, I notice what is like a shadow by the window. Now, I'm on the third floor of the barracks, so there's there's nothing outside that window. It's a straight drop down. There's no way to scale it. Uh, the window didn't even open. And there is a parking lot outside of that window. And there's, there's like I said, there's just nothing that should be there. But because there's a parking lot, you know, I figured, okay, it's just a shadow from a car that's going to turn in the parking lot. You know, the shadow would move along the wall. Basically, what happened was I noticed the shadow and then the unit immediately stops the, the vibrating and it's just very quiet. And whatever this thing is that I can see out of the corner of my eye that just looks like a big black shadow comes into the room. Now, in the middle of the room, between the two beds, so think of like an H now, I have a couch where the, the middle of the H would be that are across from the two beds. And on this couch, I have a stack of medical papers at the top of the couch that have been there all night, all day, since I've been back in the barracks room. Uh, I have a set of crutches that's leaned up against the back of the couch that goes to a wall locker that's built in. So it's been wedged there. These things have not moved at all. So while I'm on my stomach, the next thing I notice is that there is this thing is coming through and the papers immediately go flying all over the room. So at this point, I know whatever this is, it's, it's, it's something there, and I know it's not human because it came through a closed window. So I do not want to look at it. I just get this urge to not, don't look over there. I'm just pretending it doesn't exist. Like, nope, no thank you. I don't want nothing to do with this. So then after the papers go flying all over the room, the crutches fall over towards my bed at the foot of my bed. And I'm like, okay, so... Now I get the chills every time because I know this thing is right behind me. And then I can feel the bed start to like press in and I'm like rocking towards like if somebody were to walk on a bed right across from you, you know how you would shift into the mattress? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what's happening to me. And I have a blanket over my back and I'm grabbing my pillow and I feel this thing like it crawls like on top of me. 
and I could just feel it like, like it's breathing on the back of my neck. And then all of a sudden I feel like I'm being choked. And I mean choked like, like almost like a blood choke where it's like cutting the circulation off. And I'm trying to grab at my throat with my one hand. I have the pillow in my right arm, like in between my arm. And I'm like just grasping my phone at this point. And I cannot grab anything. I can't move. I'm like paralyzed. And at that point, when I'm trying to, with my left, I could only move my thumb and my back two fingers, my pinky finger and my ring finger, to like try to grab at this invisible arm that's choking me and there's nothing there. I feel myself just touching my own neck, trying to pull this off of me. At that point, I start to come off of the bed, okay? And now I'm probably floating about a foot and a half to two feet off of my mattress. I watched the blanket fall down onto the mattress. I still have the pillow grass. And the only thing I could do in my mind is pray to God. And, and not like even a prayer, because I couldn't think of one single prayer. But I was just, please, God, help me. Please, God, help me in my mind. And before I felt like I was about to completely pass out from being choked, I can feel myself being lowered back down to the bed. Once that happens, I feel the bed shifting, this thing getting off. I hear it kick the crutches and the papers that are on the floor again. Now I can see it out of the corner of my eye again. It goes right out the window and the air conditioning unit pops back on. At that moment, when the air conditioning unit moved, I was able to like completely exhale. And I got up, and I'm like a broken ankle, ran right out of that room and did not go back in there. And I wouldn't go back in that room by myself. I had a, a guy spending the night in there until I, my original roommate came back. I had one of my buddies another Marine that I went to school with who was stationed out there with me stayed in that room with me. I would not go back in there by myself ever again. I never went into that room alone again. Requested a transfer. And I mean, I thought at first I'm like, okay, maybe I had some sort of sleep paralysis episode, but the room was destroyed. And I had to have somebody come in there and, take like clean all of that stuff up it, it was absolutely insane never wanted to go back in that room that was the craziest thing that ever happened to me in my life and it was absolutely terrifying so obviously you started off the story saying that you badly sprained an ankle the skeptics out there would say well, were you on any kind of pain medication? Could this have been something that? Yes, I was. I was prescribed water and eight hundred milligram, eight hundred milligrams of ibuprofen. <laughs> that was all the medication that I was taking. I wasn't on any any Vicodin. I was no Percocet, no nothing. Eight hundred milligrams of ibuprofen and water. That was it. Like I, we took drug test constantly there was absolutely nothing else it was like i know i know how crazy it sounds 
but it, it's absolutely true. And there are a lot of other people who stayed in that room. And I, like I said, I, I'll, I'll give you their information and they'll tell you the things that have happened in that room. Let's talk a little bit about that because you said that there's been some other people that you've told the story to and you've heard some stories yeah, ab- back. Absolutely. Uh, I've heard, I, I've never heard of anything happening in that room before my experience. Nobody, like anybody who has stayed in there before that I had no idea, they may have had their own situations. But after I told my story, I know that there's been two other people that were in that room for sure, they will tell you absolutely horrible stories about it. And they and I and I know one guy, he instantly requested a transfer and would not go back in it. Like I would go back in there, but only with somebody else. And like, hey, yeah, I could absolutely give you other references to tell you. I have no idea what it is. Like I said, I, I don't know what it was. I'm not gonna say it was you know, I know it wasn't human. And whatever it was, it, it gave me the impending, like, dread feeling. I would rather, you know, go into a house of insurgents with Taliban members who were locked and loaded a thousand times before I ever experienced something like that again. There was just powerlessness and nothing I could do. Did you try to do any kind of research or anything to see if there was anything for... Um, so a lot of anything that would happen, like I, I asked around and on on a military base, you, you guys, everybody moves around so much, like with deployment and you never come back. You never have the same room again. You know, like the, when, you, when you go to get deployed and then you come back from deployment, they put you in another room. Um, I don't know any stories from anybody. I had no idea that that was a thing that was going to happen. Nobody put, you know, like, oh, this is a this is a messed up room. You don't want to be here. I asked the duty clerk if, you know, like, did, was there anything that have, has ever happened? But I was a, I was a, you know, enlisted. My other buddy, he's an officer. You know, and I, I try to ask some of them if they know something, and I have heard nothing. Like if, if anybody, like there was a suicide in the room or something like that, there's some negative energy or whatever. I, I was never aware of any of, of that, but I could tell you it, 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 it was like pure evil and it was, it was big. It took up the majority of my room, like in, in the corner of my eye. It was a, it was a big shadow of whatever it was, but it was. I don't know. I never want to experience that again. I know that. <laughs> I That's for sure. That's the one thing I definitely know. But yeah, I, we were not on any type of drugs. I, they didn't have me on any pain medicine where I could cause a hallucination. I like, I was for a long time. I was like, yeah, let's blame it on, you know, like I had a night terror or something like that. But the fact that there was like, physical evidence shot all over the room, you know, like just destroyed room. Like I, I just knew right away, like, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, no, that was real. I was awake. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't having a, a night terror. I wasn't dreaming. I wasn't tired. I remember the exact time I could, I, I remember everything so vividly about that moment, about everything in the room. I knew where everything was placed. I just, it, it's just, yeah, it was a, it was a horrible experience. 
And they were, yeah, it was it was definitely the the scariest thing I've ever experienced in my life, for sure, hands down. Brian, I appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us. And and uh, I know you and some friends actually have your own podcast called Let's All Be Serious. Tell everybody a Correct. few seconds about that, about uh, what they get if they tune into that one. Uh, yeah, if you tune in, uh, we're always putting up ridiculous raffles. We have prizes. Uh, just get on our Facebook page, letsallbeserious.com. Uh, give us a listen. We're It's more of a, you know, few nerds get together. We have special guests on and just uh, straight comedy. Uh, little little vulgar. I wouldn't listen to it at work, but uh, <laughs> you know, we talk about everything and anything. Everybody takes life too seriously. We just try to sit back and enjoy it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. It's a fun podcast. Uh, I'll go ahead and post a, a link on our page if you would so everybody can Not a problem. snag it we'll and do that. Uh, We'll have some fun with it. Thanks for coming on, Brian. I appreciate it, brother. Not a problem. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Thank you. All right. How about that for a story to kick the thing off? Yeah, that is totally messed up. I mean, that is freaky to the 10th degree. Yeah, freaky dicky. And as you can tell by listening to him, Mm -hmm. he is still extremely freaked out. This was like five years ago or Mm -hmm. something. So he's extremely freaked out. And like I said, he's had incidents with ufos out there and i was talking to josh the other day over thanksgiving he was telling us that he personally hasn't experienced anything out there but there were several people that was talking about there was always some kind of strange lights over the skies ufo type deals wow and you know he but he was he said he was on the other end of the barrack yeah yeah. from where all this took place at but very cool Man, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and, and Brian said he's going to try to get us a couple other people. Okay. If he can track them down, that would be willing to talk about some of the stuff they Ooh, saw out there. So I can't wait. I hope it works out. That was a very cool story. So anyways, that was the very first edition of the Paranormal Encounters. Uh, hope you guys like that because this pretty much be what it is every week. Yeah. About 30 minutes, so Sounds not too good. bad. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. Thank you so much, and we appreciate everything you do for us. Yes, we do.